Welcome to the Peter Gabbard Podcast, folks. I'm your gracious host, Peter Timothy Hankst. And today is January 24th, 2020, which means I am on day 41 of 365 straight days of episodes that brings you the news, sports, entertainment, music, movies, everything except politics. Let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers for a second, folks, as that is my favorite team in any sport. But last night, they let me down once again. Not Damian Lillard. He did, as always, a phenomenal job scoring 48 points for the Blazers in a loss to Dallas. Yes, Luka Doncic, of course, did fairly well for the Dallas Mavericks, but nothing compared to Damian Lillard except there's a difference between him and Dame, the fact that he has a team that will also help him. Damian Lillard at times looks like he's out on the court by himself. The Blazers have nobody to help him. When will C.J. McCollum be back? Joseph Nurkic? When will Zach Collins be back? I mean, the list goes on and on. The injuries sustained by this team, and yet the loss was only by eight points after an incredible first half by the Dallas Mavericks scoring over 70 points I cannot believe it. Way to go, Portland. Giving it a a good old college try. You almost came close. You know, in a game where we had a newcomer on our team. We had just traded for Trevor uh, Trevor Ariza. And you know what? He gave us Ariza to like him because he did well. He shot a couple threes. He's a tall guy. We need somebody like that now that Zach Collins and Nurkic is out. But, you know, I've heard rumors Nurkic could be back within the next couple weeks. If we can get another solid big man to play in the post, it might be on, and we may just make that eighth spot this season to squeeze into the playoffs. I got to talk about Antonio Brown some more because, oh man, this guy makes the greatest news ever. So we weren't certain why he had the police at his house during an altercation with a moving company, but now we know he was throwing rocks at the movers and into the moving van, and then he assaulted one of the movers himself, who now has injuries to his shoulder and ripped a ripped shirt, so he's facing assault charges and a multitude of other things, and his friend who was with him is also facing charges. His friend was arrested right away, whereas Antonio Brown locked himself in his fat house and nobody could pull him out, but he eventually realized he was being stupid and turned himself in. So both are in custody. This is hilarious. A man who had everything, folks. I'm talking about he was the cock of the rock. This guy was in everyone's conversations about sports and football, and now all of a sudden, we're talking about him because of this crap. I mean, way to go, buddy. You threw your career down the toilet. Yes, 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 yes. It has finally happened. One of those amnesty boxes I spoke of before at the airports where people are allowed to dump their marijuana before they hit on a, get on a plane because they're afraid of getting in trouble with it or they forgot they had it on them, whatever. 
It got robbed and somebody stole all the marijuana inside. That's what I'm talking about, man. If I had the opportunity, I would pry that whole box off of the wall and take it home and just see what kind of goodies I got. I mean, that's a grab bag full of fun. There's probably cartridges, pipes, weed, joints, all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, that's like a a stoner's dream right there. So to the man who stole the marijuana from the Chicago airport amnesty box, good for you, sir. Good for you. Well, folks, if I am a fish and I'm swimming around a river and I'm bored out of my mind, I would expect the coolest thing that could happen to me would be if 97,000 gallons of wine leaked into the river and got me hammered drunk. Because that's what happened in a town in Northern California. Just imagine you're a fish swimming around. You see some red entering the water. You're like, oh no, there's blood in the air. I'm about to get eaten. You know, somebody's been tore up. And then you, you get a little taste of that stuff and you're like, wait a second. This is high-quality wine. This is some stuff that people have been busting their butts to produce and sell in huge quantities for tons of money, but instead, I get it all for free. I would just be swimming around, mouth open wide, gulping everything I could. Way to go, douchebags in the winery who spilled 97,000 gallons of wine into a river. You know, I've always wondered why... Every time I see any sort of news in China, it looks like everybody's wearing some kind of mask to cover their face. Even when I'm in the airport or just anywhere. And there's a large group of Chinese folks. Some of them are wearing these masks. They're wearing these masks at Disneyland one time when I went. At a at a sports event, there was people with the little masks on. And I'm just thinking, why are they so afraid of germs? I mean, do they have a bad immune system? Do they eat so much sushi? There's a chance it it might spread some kind of disease everywhere. Well, sure enough, now this coronavirus is breaking out from people that have traveled to China and come back. So now they're spreading it to America somehow. And the thing is, I just, I never really could fathom why you would have this face mask thing on. But I guess in China, when there's diseases floating around the air like this, you got to take extra precautions. Or you could just not go to China, or if you live there, get the hell out. Because that sounds like a terrible way to live. I know that in Muslim countries, the women have to wear the headdress thing. Well, I'd rather have that on than the face cover thing all day long. I mean, that's just uncomfortable. How do you eat? And when you do eat, are you then just pretty much throwing caution to the wind? I gotta talk about this poop lady. I mean, maybe you've seen it, maybe not. At least look at her mugshot because it is awesome. It just looks like she went toe-to-toe with the most terrible and difficult poo of her life when, in fact, she's been pooing in this parking lot in Massachusetts over and over for months, claiming that when she finally got arrested for this, that she has such irritable bowel syndrome that she can't make it to the restroom, although she had access to the restroom adjacent to the parking lot. So there's no excuse. She just enjoys pooping outside. I mean, I don't know if this is really a crime. I mean, I guess it is because somebody has to keep cleaning up her poop, but maybe she just 
enjoys a nice breeze on her buttocks when she drops a deuce. Or perhaps, you know, it's claustrophobia that leads her astray from general bathroom use. I'm not certain, but either way, this lady is forever going to be known as the poop lady. And if she ends up actually doing jail time for pooing, I don't even know that she won't be respected in jail for this. I am almost certain people will, you know, kind of keep their distance because knowing that she poos outside, well, she has nowhere to wash her hands afterward, so she probably has human fecal matter all over her hands at any given time. She loves to poop outside. Now, I gotta bring up the 4,000 migrants once again that are stuck on the border between Guatemala and Mexico, or now actually they're in Mexico, seeking asylum or, you know, applying for visas there. And here's the thing, you know, everybody says, oh, we should feel so bad for these people, and and how dare you not allow them, you know, past the National Guard, the Mexican National Guard, but what they did was start throwing rocks at them and attacking the Mexican National Guard. That's not going to make them want to accept you into their country very much. Not to mention, I don't want them in my country. If they are like a bunch of just rowdy little kids who throw rocks and sticks when they don't get their way, then what's going to happen when somebody here doesn't hire them or if we don't give them a house to stay in? I mean, they don't have any money or anything. So they're going to come here and start throwing rocks and sticks at us. I mean, what is this? Some kind of like, you know, caveman battle? I mean, get with the times, people. At least bring some kind of real weapon. You're throwing rocks and sticks. This is like when I was a child and we would have neighborhood battles. I just don't get it. In the end, it looks like Mexico has finally stepped up to the plate and done the right thing here. Again, I have nothing against anyone who wants a better life, who seeks a better life. It's just you have to do it in the correct manner. Doing it this way is going to prolong the time you'll spend in Mexico trying to get here, especially if you're on video in the news as the guy who's pelting the Mexican National Guard with rocks and sticks. It's just not going to work out for you. I promise you that. I had a bad record, and when I was age 18 until I got it expunged, I could get nothing here. I could get no house. I could get no job. I could only do things under the radar or sneaky, and that's not the way you want to live. Trust me, it sucks. Now, I can't even believe OJ is still in the news in any way. The only news about him we should hear is that he's finally going to be locked up for life. But no, he's out on the streets again, causing a ruckus, and now he's kicked out of the Cosmopolitan. I just don't get it. This guy committed murder. He killed his wife. We all know he did. He even admitted it. And he's on the streets. Then he got a bunch of peeps to join him in jacking some stuff that was supposedly his out of a hotel room using guns and forced entry and all this. And yet he's walking free again. It just goes to show that in America, money is everything. It's pathetic here. I had no money when I was 18, and they charged me with a felony for marijuana because my public defender would never show up to anything, and I was left at the mercy of the courts, and they hate me no matter what. So I just don't understand 
how this guy is still able to walk the streets committing crime. Now he's getting kicked out of the Cosmopolitan. He needs to be in a special jail cell, which houses him, Bill Cosby, and Jared from Subway. So they can all exchange their filthy stories together and beat up and rape each other. It's only when you prepare for a garage sale that you realize just how much useless crap you have. I mean, I have no idea where some of this stuff came from. And I, you know, perhaps some of it was a, a gift or something I received or whatever. But I have literally a rocking chair and a box with the same exact rocking chair in it, unopened, unused. Now, why would I have a rocking chair in use and an exact replica of it in a giant box right next to it? I don't need two of these things. I don't need one for my feet and one for my ass. So now I'm forced to decide, am I to try and get the most I can out of this brand new one? Or am I to sell this one that's a little more rugged and then open the box and build up the other one? Uh, this is just some crazy stuff. You shouldn't even have to think about these things. Why would I end up with two identical rocking chairs? And the worst is when you go through old clothes and you see a whole bunch of stuff you have never worn or you've worn one time or you just forgot it existed. And you wonder, aren't there people out there who can't even buy shirts? They're walking around shirtless, you know, in some foreign country where they're all poverty-stricken. I wish I could just, for free, ship all of these items to them. But you just know, when you give them to Salvation Army, it's not going to them. It's going to some people who are just far too lazy to get a job. They live on the streets in San Francisco where it's too expensive to get a house or any type of living. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous up there. And they just have to walk around all the piles of poop that are on the roads now. Because that's what happens when you model any place after the shithole that is the state of California. Which I live in. Now, folks, as I speak to you right now, I am waddling around with a giant boot on my foot. As I am so dumb, I decided when I fractured my ankle after a run, I would just walk it off for a few months, which obviously does not work. And now I'm on my way today to set up a farmer's market booth by myself with heavy equipment, all whilst wearing this gigantic boot. I'll be the laughing stock of the whole market today, undoubtedly, and well-deserved, too, because I am a dumbass. When you feel pain in your foot that's constant, have it checked out right away. Take it from me, because otherwise, you're going to have a whole multitude of other stupid problems that run along with it, and I very well could have had this taken care of months and months ago. But leave it to Peter. I just want to say to those of you out there living in another state, folks, I envy you because it's getting worse with every passing day here. Rather than spending our time thinking about how we can make colleges a little more affordable here and not crank up the rent every six months to the point where average Joe Schmoes and middle-class folks are either homeless or forced to move to Arizona, you folks in other states are doing the right thing. Do not model yourselves after the state of California. Because trust me, it's driving everybody out of here. If I had a one-way ticket somewhere else right now, I'd have to take it. Because 
the senseless crap that happens here, it, it makes, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's just, instead of concentrating our time on important stuff, we're banning plastic straws and making people suck juice out of a fucking piece of hay. You know, I know straw is the name of it, but I don't actually want to drink things through straw. I mean, hay, yes. That's what cows eat so that they can fatten up and I can eat the cows. That's as close as I want to come to putting my mouth on anything related to hay. And yet here I am going to purchase straws for my business and they don't sell plastic ones. They sell straw straws. Straw made out of straw. I mean, this is ridiculous. Can a guy get a batch of plastic straws? Because what are they giving me to serve them in? A plastic cup with a plastic top. So you're saying the straws are the problem. The little thin things where water can go in and out both sides. And it's not the giant plastic cups that anything aquatic could easily get stuck inside of and die. This is just crazy. I mean, at the very least, give us paper cups and plastic straws. Now there's an idea. Folks, it is time for the best part of the Peter Gabbard podcast, the part you love so dang much. It is Real Stories, brought to you by Peter Timothy Hanks and Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today I'm going to talk about a time I partied it up in Oregon City. Now, folks, Oregon City, it should be known to the rest of the United States as the place where the Oregon Trail ended. You know, the covered wagons that brought so many folks out west when there was no roads and they struggled fighting off savage Indians on the way and deadly cold and viruses and sicknesses and illnesses they had never seen before. And if you've ever played the Oregon Trail game on a computer a long time ago, you must be ancient like me if you have, then you know, for the most part, 90% of your party would die of some crazy illness, whether it was dysentery, aka nonstop diarrhea, or you got run over by a mule and your legs were broken, so they had to leave you behind, because, I mean, let's face facts, if your legs are broken, you're worthless on the Oregon Trail. Well, there happens to be many roads there now, making it very easy to travel from Portland to Oregon City. Now, I do not personally recommend a huge, a long travel, I should say, to see the museum there. It's a few old covered wagons. You go in, you go out, whoopity-doo, look it up online. But when there's a chance to party in high school in Oregon City, it's sort of well known that the women there will be a little more slutty. I don't know why this is the case, but the few times we went out to Oregon City to party, having known somebody who told us about an event, it seemed that everybody would get laid. Except me, of course, as I am no Casanova and have no ability to get women whatsoever and still to this day am mind-boggled as to why my wife wanted to be with me to begin with. So picture this. I'm about 15 years old and I hitch a ride with my friend Smythe to this party in Oregon City. And at first, I actually hadn't hitched a ride with him. I was on my way there with a man not fat anymore as he 
is a drug addict. So, of course, he's skinny. But back then, he was fat. We picked on him. And he had a VW bus. Now, if any of you know, a VW bus basically has a lawnmower-sized engine in the back and is not expected to travel far distances if it's one of the older models and has not been kept up well, which this was not. And so I hop into his car, well, his VW bus, and we head out to Oregon City. And about halfway there, it starts on fire. Yep, it's on fire, smoking, and I can see the flames. So I make my not any more friend, Fat Ryan, pull over and I'm like, hey man, I don't know what to say to you, but it's probably going to burn up on the exit of this off-ramp because we have no way to put it out. So we stand there and start watching it burn as if we were Steve Martin and John Candy in plane trains and automobiles. And I realize now, I'm halfway from Portland, Oregon City, I need a ride. So I called some peeps that I knew were on their way to that party anyways. And one of them was my friend Smythe. He had a GTI, very reliable vehicle, also pretty cool. It was fast. Now one of those old ones, maybe uh, early 90s, perhaps. No, I think it was a late 80s VW GTI. So I call him up and I say, hey man, are you on your way? And it turned out he was like an exit before where we were. And I tell him, hey, just look for the VW bus that is on fire, which I was just in, and you'll see us. So he does, and I hop in, and we offer a ride to Fat Ryan. We're like, hey, man, your VW bus, it's, it's obviously going to burn up. Uh, Want to ride with us? And he's like, no, you know what? I'm going to stick around, see what I can do to get this fire out, and then I'll hitch a ride from another person that we also knew wasn't there yet. So we're on our way to this Oregon City party, me and Smythe. We go out there. What do you know? Smythe immediately meets a girl there. I'm pretty sure he got laid. Everyone has a good time, except me, because, you know, I just would only go to these parties, literally, to get drunk and stoned. I never got laid. I'm no Casanova. I've said it a million times. I just didn't have a way with women like my friend Smythe did. So he's hitting up on these girls. The party's going and going. We're all thrashed, and we decide it's time to roll out. Now, we had brought a full keg to this party. But when we arrived, we forgot. It's Oregon City. These chicks were plastered drunk already with liquor scattered all over this house. They didn't even need any of our beer. So with a, about a half-empty keg left, we decide to chuck it in the back of this GTI and begin heading back to Portland at about maybe 1 a.m. Now, Oregon City's not far from Portland, and neither places are that far from the border with Washington. However, we start driving and I start noticing some weird stuff. I know I'm drunk and so is Smythe and I shouldn't even be rolling with somebody in a GTI with a half full keg in the back that's still tapped while he's drunk. We're both underage. I mean, he's 16, I'm 15. He can barely have his driver's license at, at this point. But he had it and we were driving and after about an hour goes by, I'm thinking, well, this... This is longer than I expected before I would start to recognize the streets and, and where we were. And then I look to my right, and all of a sudden, there's water to my right. Oh, well, that's not right, because, you know, the coast should have been on our left. I'm like, all right, well, maybe we somehow went a little north, and now we're going back south. And then I say, Smythe, are you sure you know where you're going, buddy? This was before GPS on phones, nothing like that. We didn't even have a map. 
And he says, ah, oh, dude, come on. I know exactly what I'm... I've been to Oregon City a hundred times. I know where I'm going. Don't question me. I know I'm drunk, but it's fine. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So then, after another little while goes by, I notice now there's water also to my left. So there's water to my right and to my left. We're, we're in the ocean. And I, I turn to Smythe and I'm like, hey, man, there's got to be something wrong here. Look around. We're driving on a little spit of land with the ocean on both sides of us. We can't possibly be on our way back to Portland. And that's when I saw the doubt in his face. I was sure then he had made a mistake and he knew it and it finally hit him. And he goes, you know, I'm not sure, dude. I think I'm still on the right track. And I'm like, well, what about that sign right there that says, welcome to Washington? And that was when my heart started pumping. I'm thinking, dude, he might get a DUI in another state. And I might get caught with him and a half full keg in his back seat. I can't do this. This is crazy. So I'm like, all right, man, you got to find the first exit right now and turn around and go back to Oregon. This is crazy. I mean, 15 years old, I didn't want to be in another state, especially while intoxicated, especially while driving with this maniac. And so we look forever to find an exit. And there isn't one because we're on this single sand spit thing that's traveling non-stop until it reaches Washington. There's no turning back around on this. There's a median in between us and the other side of the freeway, and on both sides of that, there's water. So we finally get to an exit after being about 10 or 15 minutes into the state of Washington, and we turn around and we head back south. As soon as that happens, I see a highway patrol pull up behind us. Yep, and I'm thinking, oh man. We are screwed now. I can't believe this. So what do I think the best option is at this point? To try and drink as much of this keg as I possibly can. Because if I can kill the rest of it, hell, we'll chuck that keg shell out the window at the next exit and just be all home scot-free. So I start just taking down as much beer as I can. I'm swigging it straight off the tap from the back seat where it's sitting. And I'm getting more and more drunk. And then the the, you know, highway patrol guy, he pulls off or goes past us. We didn't get bowled over by him somehow, by the grace of God. And we finally see a sign that says, Welcome to Oregon, at like 2.30 a.m., but we're still not home yet. We arrived at about 3.30 with no confidence left whatsoever in the navigation ability of my friend Smythe, especially while drunk. But I must say, the lesson learned here, folks, was that when you're in a car with an intoxicated individual traveling to a state that's on the border or a city that's on the border of two states like that, it's very easy to get confused and end up in the completely wrong place. So it's not recommended. Also not recommended is getting drunk at the age of 15 and driving around. Don't do it. I must say one last thing about Oregon City. We used to call it Oregon Shitty, but, you know, I actually love that town. It's a great place, really kind and cool people there. Check it out sometime if you can. But again, the museum, whoopity-scoopity-doo. Now, folks, thank you so much for tuning into the Peter Gabbett Podcast today. I'm going to do my best to make sure every single episode is as entertaining as possible. And you know what? Sometimes there's music out there that's also for some reason, entertaining. I mean, it's just, it's so bad and stupid 
that once in a while you gotta hear it again. And this is one of those songs by O.T. Genesis. I'm in love with the Coco. Oh. 